Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. 2020 has forced us to entirely reevaluate our priorities. Before this, many did not yet see the urgency of the environmental and social crises happening around us even with the plans of the European Commission trying to prioritize sustainability. In the face of the global pandemic, many seem finally ready to address the urgency and shift to a sustainable economy. And corporate governance is also on everyone's lips on how to achieve this. The European Commission has prioritized it in an action plan. To speak further, I'm very pleased to welcome Olivier Boutelis-Taft, CEO of Accountancy Europe, to talk with us about corporate governance and system change and how one can be the catalyst of the other for a better future for us all. Olivier, why do you think everyone is talking corporate governance right now? Well, hi, Andrea, and thank you very much for having me on this podcast. I think your introduction is actually spot on. Everybody's talking about corporate governance for three main reasons. As you rightly mentioned, we've got a big pandemic right now. But what is even more worrying is what will come next. And after this pandemic, I think it is unfortunately optimistic to expect a good 10 years of dreadful recession. And in such a context, corporate governance will be absolutely instrumental to keeping business in business. So corporate governance has a real important role to play to maintain our economy afloat in very, very difficult circumstances. It is the instrument that enables better business decision. But it's not only that, because I think even before uh, the pandemic, we've all seen a number of corporate accidents. And what were these accidents? Well, they were all corporate governance problems. So again, I think this is a clear sign, not only that corporate governance is important, but also that corporate governance needs to be improved. And as we're talking about risks uh, in connection to the pandemics and the recession, and big part of corporate governance is about managing risk, I think there is a much, much bigger risk looming ahead of us Uh, And it is indeed the systemic risk that we have that results from the impact of our economy, of human activity on our environment. And everybody's talking about climate, of course, but it's also loss of biodiversity, production of waste and pollution, you name it. But what we start realizing today is that the outcome of our economic system is basically suing the branch on which we're seated. We have to change the way we do business because otherwise we won't be able to do business anymore. And changing the way we do business, well, that is, again, the role of corporate governance. I think lawmakers have very well understood that. It took a little bit of time. There is growing understanding, and that is the reason why a number of national lawmakers, more importantly, the European institutions, are now fully on the corporate governance agenda. So what has the European Commission done around corporate governance? 
that's always been a difficult uh, topic, I think, uh, for the European Commission, because it is true uh, that corporate governance is, is actually ingrained in different cultures. So in Europe, our small and aging continent, we, however, have very different approaches to corporate governance. And every time that the European Commission has made proposals to advance uh, corporate governance, I think it was met with a certain amount of skepticism because there are so many differences in uh, the cultural backdrop, I would say, of corporate governance. Which is interesting in a way, because at the same time, Europe is the most integrated continent, and it is also deeply woven into global markets. And even those companies in those countries that claim that corporate governance is a sort of exception culturelle, if I may use a word of French for a change, well, even these companies and these countries usually are global in their strategy, in their market outreach, in their supply chain. If they're not, they're facing competition from companies who are. So I think things have developed and uh, I think it's actually right that the European Commission once again comes back to corporate governance. So recently, they have put a new initiative on the table. Uh, They have an action plan that is looking at quite a number of important, but also tough issues, like considering changes to director's duties, considering mandatory due diligence to ask companies to assess their environmental impacts and their human rights impacts all along their supply chain. That is something that is quite important, quite massive. They're also, and I think quite rightly so, have the aim of making sure that corporate governance is actually aligned with the work that they are doing on the non-financial reporting directive. And it's interesting because the two initiatives actually can shoulder each other in a way. Because the current non-financial reporting directive is actually based on a series of incentives to report. And and I think the ambition, the uh, sustainable corporate governance initiative of the Commission would aim at introducing a number of mandatory measures. And of course, A, nobody likes change. B, nobody likes change when it's asking you to do something and when you have no choice but to do it. So I think this is a case, a typical case, where we have to take two things into consideration. First thing is, what is in the public interest? And as an individual, I may have to do things that are in the public interest. Today, I'm not getting out of my home without a mask. And I can tell you, I really dislike the mask. I'm not wearing the mask for myself. I'm wearing the mask for other people. And I think in corporate governance, in a way, it's a little bit of the same thing. We're not going to ask corporates to wear a mask, but I think there is an argument, at least, to make mandatory a number of things that corporates have to do in the public interest. So I think that's really one important thing. The second important thing is that, well, 
We've seen a lot of progress recently, and we see a number of companies that I find personally absolutely admirable, uh, really trying to do the right thing and to be on the forefront of this agenda. I mean, recently, for instance, we've seen BP announcing a, a total overall of their business model to, to become sustainable in 2050, and that's great. But if you know, BP's competitors do not do the same thing, well, BP will not be on a level playing field. I think competition is something very important on markets. And I think it is important that competition doesn't work against, you know, those companies who are trying to do their best to meet what I see as the most important public interest objective that we should have, keeping the planet sustainable. And it's great when we see corporations taking a first step on a voluntary basis. And it's a shame that some companies will only fall into more responsible practices if they are mandated. And this brings it back to what you were saying earlier about how staying in business means having a a viable planet. And that is something that businesses seem to have half-heartedly be taking on board. Before the catastrophic climate events, I think there is something that seems to be coming also much sooner. And and it is the, the constraints on access to resources. So, of course, everybody has oil in the back of their mind. But oil is not the only resource we're using, okay? We're using uh, iron, we're using phosphorus, we're using copper, we're using lithium, except that we're using them far too quickly and in far too big quantities for our consumption of these resources to be sustainable. Up until now, companies have not been required to report on these non-financial issues, these so-called externalities, where the resources that they're taking from the planet, they have not been uh, brought into the bottom line of what company profits are at the end of the year. And that's where the non-financial reporting directive comes back in, um, whereby the European Commission is beginning to try to get companies to introduce those kind of measurements in. And so I think that can bring in back the accountant's role, because of course, accountants are involved with reporting, right? Uh, Accountants are involved with measurement. Accountants are involved with reporting. Accountants are involved with providing assurance on the reports. But let's not forget, especially at Accounts Europe, that professional accountants actually are found in all walks of life almost, I would say. Uh, a huge part of our, you know, of the membership of our members at Accounts Europe are working in business and in government. So we've got colleagues who are CFOs, CEOs, uh, working in ministries of finance, uh, working in tax administration, all around the place. Placed in a high level where they can influence the decisions and the directions that a business goes. Definitely, definitely, because uh, with these roles in measurement and reporting, I think accountants have an acute understanding of these trends and uh, their future impact. But the point I wanted to make is that, interestingly, uh, this is also becoming a very clear financial issue. Um, because of this whole issue of access to resources uh, and, and how 
uh, we start saying that we are exhausting some of its resources, you now start seeing a direct financial impact. A number of companies start, well, having stranded assets on their balance sheet because the oil field starts emptying. Uh, the number of fish in the sea is shrinking because uh, the reserves of phosphorus are shrinking because we want to you know, transform all our car fleet into electric cars, but there will never be enough lithium to put in all the batteries of these cars. Yeah, electric cars, they're the good option when there aren't that many. When there are many, as many electric cars on the road as there are gasoline or diesel cars, then we begin to see the environmental footprint for electric cars is not ideal in any sense. Yeah, it is our global footprint that, that is a problem. Thus, I think uh, the emerging discussion that you see on system change. Um, well, it's difficult to know exactly what that means, to be honest, but I think it is basically starting to understand that the problem we have is a systemic problem. It is actually the way we produce and the way we consume that is a problem, not what we consume. I think your example on electric cars is actually spot on, okay? If we are to replace the entire fleet, well, we won't have enough resources to build all these electric cars. So the problem is not the type of cars we're driving. The problem it's driving cars, cars everywhere. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. at the volume that we are. Exactly. It's true. If you take that particular example, uh, I think the answer is in rethinking uh, mobility. And, and that is a difficult thing to do because we have developed you know, a huge infrastructure that is basically based around you know, cars and the use of oil. But that is what we're going to have to rethink and this starts having a financial impact. So uh, that is where, again, I think this whole issue means what in practical terms. I mean, system change is a great phrase, can get plenty of people excited on one side of the argument and as many people excited on the other side of the argument, of course. Now, what does all this mean in practice? Well, it means that we got to change our business model. That's what it means, okay? So I have to change my personal behavior as a consumer, as a citizen, but that is not going to have a huge systemic impact. So it is actually our entire economy that has to change. And to do that, it means that companies have to change their business model. And to change their business model, who's in charge of that? Well, it's not the government. It is corporate governance. And we're back to corporate governance and the importance that board will have, you know, the importance of a role that boards will have to play uh, to manage this transition. Because I'm afraid that those boards who do not manage this transition rapidly will probably be the first one out of business. It was June 2019 when Accountancy Europe launched our Cogito paper, 10 Ideas to Make Corporate Governance a Driver of a Sustainable Economy. We'll put a link to, in our show note to this publication. This paper was actually reflecting on, well, a number of ideas 
some address to boards because I think you know it is the responsibility of the board to keep the business in business, as I said. And in the growingly difficult circumstances, I think board have really a big job to do. But also to make sure that boards can do this job, it is extremely important that governments play their role because they only can have a real systemic impact. The first thing I think that is really important is to make sure that the companies who are making these efforts in their interest, but also in the public interest, are not being discouraged by a form of competition that would work against the public interest and that would discourage good behavior. I'm not sure, in all honesty, if you look at the facts, but what we have believed for you know, decades, uh, that markets would punish that behavior and would reward good behavior, that reputation risk was a big deterrent, is, is functioning so well. I mean, we all have examples in our mind of companies who have faced a huge reputational issue and that continue being in business and continue being ranked at the top of whatever index. And it is important that competition is fair and fair means that we have a level playing field. And right now, it is still a small minority of company. I think they are admirable by their leadership and how they're leading the transformation. But it is important that to have systemic change, that everybody embarks on the same agenda. As we wind down a bit the conversation about corporate governance, how it needs to change, who needs to do the changing, can I ask you for any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our audience with? I think there's a key role for the accounting profession here. Um, I, I mentioned the number of roles that we play, and I think in all these roles, accountants in business, accountants in the public sector, accountants in public practice, in accountancy firms, and actually firms of all sizes, because I think especially uh, SMPs, small and medium-sized practices, have a key role in what are very difficult times. And as I think the European Commission puts it, I think it's all about a green recovery. And to enable a green recovery with its role in measurement, reporting, managing, and providing trust and assurance, I think the profession is extremely well-placed. We've got a fantastic opportunity to play fully our public interest role. Thanks very much for your time today, Olivier. Well, thank you very much for having me, Andrea. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thanks again to Olivier Boutelis-Taft, and we'd invite you to take a look at the resources that we have on the Accountancy Europe website about corporate governance and how it can be used to work in our sustainable recovery from the pandemic, where we have blog posts and we have more resources, including our response to the European Commission's roadmap on sustainable corporate governance. Watch this space. We'll continue the debate. Thanks for listening to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe. 
We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting apps. Get in touch. We are at AccountancyEU on Twitter, and you can contact me at Andrea at AccountancyEurope.eu. This podcast is presented and edited by Andrea Campbell with help from Elida Nijar. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count.